continuing the series on being led by the Holy Spirit. We're looking at how the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant um, so that we could differentiate with how the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant and how He leads the saints under the New Covenant. Because we don't, don't want to uh, confuse uh, the two covenants and we don't want to take practices that would um, prevalent under the Old Covenant and bring them into the New if they're not meant to be part of the New Covenant. And so we've had a look at the, we're looking at the three primary ways that uh, the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant. Uh, before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that by your grace that my tongue would be as a pen of a ready writer, Lord, that I would speak as the oracles of God. Father, we ask that you would open an understanding to your word, that the entrance of your word would bring light, Lord, that we would have full and complete understanding in the topic that we are studying today, which is how you led your saints under the Old Covenant so that we can have a clearer understanding as to how you lead us under the New Covenant. This we ask of you, Father, in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. The text verse that we've been looking at uh, in order to determine just how the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant is in 1 Samuel chapter 28, uh, verse 6. And the verse says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And so we see that there were three primary ways that the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant, and that was by dreams, by the Urim, and by prophets. Um, there were other methods that the Lord used to lead the saints under the Old Covenant, but they were not the primary, primary methods. These three were the primary methods. And these three methods were the methods whereby the saints under the Old Covenant could go to God and expect Him to lead them, lead them through these methods. For He had placed these methods in operation uh, in Israel at the time. And these were the methods whereby He said that He would guide the, the children of Israel. And so they could expect to be led by him through these methods. And we've had a look at the, the office of the prophet under the Old Covenant. We've just seen how the Lord led the children of Israel um, through the office of the prophet. And we saw that that was really the primary way that God led the children of Israel under the Old Covenant was through the office of the prophet. And there were various reasons for that. And we've gone through those reasons and we won't touch on that right now. But the other two primary ways that the Lord led the saints under the Old Covenant was, as we read through the scripture over here, was by dreams and by the Urim. And so we'll have a look uh, today at the two other methods. And firstly, we'll have a look at the method uh, called the Urim. So just what is the Urim? Um, well, the Urim is um, part of the priestly garment that made up the, the, uh, the priestly garment of the high priest. And so this particular method was only brought into um, being after the priesthood of Aaron was established uh, when the Lord had uh, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and uh, he had then given them the law and he had established the priesthood of Aaron. And when he established the priesthood of Aaron, part of the priestly garments that made up Aaron's uh, garments that he had to wear uh, in order to minister to the Lord as priest, as high priest, that is, uh, was he would wear uh, the, the ephod, 
um, and it was a breastplate on the ephod. And in the breastplate on the ephod, there were stones that were set. And these two particular stones were called the Urim and the Thummim. And these two particular stones were set in the breastplate on Aaron's um, garment, on his ephod. And this is how the Lord would use, uh, what the Lord would use in order to guide the children of Israel through this method called the Urim. We read an account in Exodus chapter 25, beginning, well, in verse 7, just to give an indication of where these particular stones were set. Um, the scripture says, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And as I said, the, these particular stones were only in the breastplate of the high priest. And so there were uh, ephods that all the priests wore, but it was only the high priest that would wear the breastplate that uh, carried the ephod, um, uh, sorry, the breastplate that carried the urim and the thummim. And we can pick that up in Exodus chapter 28, beginning at verse 30. And the Lord speaking, he says, And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. And so we see that this particular, uh, these two particular stones could only be in the breastplate of the high priest um, and form part of his garment that he would wear. And so the Lord would use this particular uh, method to guide the children of Israel um, in giving them guidance. And we'll, we'll have a look more closely as what the, what that guidance was all, how that actually worked. But the point that I wanted to make right now is the fact is that this was a very limited way in which God could guide the children of Israel because it was limited to one person, and that person was the high priest. And so it was really um, only the king of Israel, or whoever was leading Israel at that particular point in time, so we saw earlier that uh, Saul used this method to consult um, the Lord in order to get guidance from him, and obviously at that particular time the Lord didn't answer him. Um, if you study scripture, you'll see that King David made extensive use of this particular method in uh, seeking the Lord's counsel. Uh, David certainly made a lot of uh, effort to follow after the guidance of the Lord and to walk after the Lord's counsel. So much so that the Lord even gave him his own personal prophet. If you study scripture, you'll see that Gad was uh, David's prophet. And uh, David would inquire of the Lord on numerous occasions as to what it is that the Lord um, wanted him to do. And uh, we'll pick up this account where David make, David made a, a lot of use of the ephod in order to determine what the Lord's counsel was in order to get guidance from him. And... Um, in this particular account, we'll have a look at what had happened was that David and his uh, um, soldiers that were part of his, uh, his, his, his um, entourage had been away. And what had happened is that the Amalekites had attacked their, their home base and had um, taken away all of their, their wives and their children and their, their livestock. And they had come back to the camp and found it completely empty. And so David is seeking the Lord's counsel as to what it is he should be doing in the situation. And we'll pick up the account in 1 Samuel um, chapter 30, beginning at verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. 
So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And we know that Abiathar was a high priest at the time, because our Lord Jesus refers to him as being a high priest. And we see that in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. The Lord speaking, he said, But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those who were with him? how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And so um, Abiathar was the high priest at the time. He had obviously abdicated, and, and because at this particular time David was um, in hiding from, from Saul and had uh, gone out into, into um, the country. And Abiathar had gone with him. And uh, David inquired uh, of the Lord through this method of the Urim and the Thummim. Um, the way that the Urim and the Thummim work, basically, is that the two stones would light up. Um, the one being a no answer, the one would be a, a, a yes answer, a positive answer. And so when anybody made an inquiry of the Lord through this particular method, um, Whichever stone lit up would be a yes, you can do this, or no, you can't. And so it would, always, it would be a limited response that they would get from the Lord. It could never be the kind of guidance that they would receive through the prophet, for the prophet would give uh, what the Lord would say to them. But the Urim and the Thummim could only ever give them a yes and a no answer. Um, the next account we can have a look at is uh, when the, the children of Israel have come back into the land of Israel after Babylon had uh, invaded them and um, uh, they had been taken away captive to, to the city of Babylon and they have now returned and they have rebuilt the temple and they want to determine uh, just which of the Levites qualify as priests who have not yet been, who've not been defiled in the time that uh, they've been away that the children of Israel have been uh, in exile. And uh, they used the registers to go through and see just which Levites were still uh, pure and not impure. In other words, they hadn't uh, been defiled through mixed marriages. But because of the exile, what had happened is that the registers were no longer uh, up to date and complete. And so um, we read the account in Ezra, Ezra chapter 2, beginning at verse 62. Um, what is they, they're sitting with this problem they've got Levites and they're not too sure whether these Levites can serve as Levites or not or if they become defiled and so this is how they solve the problem they consult the Urim and the Thummim in order, Thummim in order to give and get the answer from God and it says these sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy but they were not found therefore they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled and the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. And so that's how they solved this particular problem. They would then uh, take this particular person before the Lord and say, Lord, is this one defiled, yes or no? And the answer would come forth, yes, uh, he is defiled, can't be serving as a Levite, or no, not, a, not defiled, can serve as a Levite. And... If you think of the account that we had a look at where David uh, went to pursue um, the troops, the Amalekites, when he, he inquired of the Lord 
um, through the ephod as to whether the Lord would, whether he should go after them. Um, the way that they would have worked is that David would, David would have asked the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? And the ephod would have answered, yes, go ahead and do it. And then he would have said, shall I overtake them? And the ephod would have answered, yes, you will overtake them. And he would have then asked, shall I fully recover everything? And the ephod would have answered, yes, you shall. And so it was always just a yes and a no answer. But it was a method that could be used and could be expected to be used um, in seeking the Lord's guidance and the Lord's counsel. Obviously, um, it depended on the individual seeking the guidance um, because we did see the account where Saul used that method and God didn't answer him. And so, but we've had a look at that to some degree as to the state of the person who's actually consulting the Lord. And remember, we saw that when we looked at the prophet, that um, if, if your life was not right before God, God would not answer you when you came to inquire of the prophet. That's, uh, there was just a, a no, no, it wasn't going to happen. And so through the Urim and the Thummim, it wouldn't happen either. But in, the, in David's case, uh, his life was right before the Lord, and so he could consult through the Urim and Thummim. And then we get to the, the, the third primary way that the Lord used in order to, go, uh, to guide the saints under the Old Covenant. And that primary way is through dreams. Um, point that we need to have a look at here is the fact that when scripture turns, talks about visions in the night, it is referring to dreams. Um, we see that in Job chapter 4 verse 13, the scripture says, in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. And so visions of the night in scripture, even under the new covenant, you'll see uh, it's referred to as visions of the night. It is always referred to dreams when you see that in Scripture. Um, it's one and the same thing, just a different terminology that is used for the same uh, event, basically, that takes place. And so the saints under the Old Covenant could seek the Lord's counsel through dreams. Um, if you recall Joseph when he was in Egypt and the Lord appeared to him, or well, the angel appeared to him in a dream, said that Herod is dead and you can now go back into Israel. Uh, he goes back into Israel and he hears that Herod's son is reigning in his stead. And he is then seeking the Lord's guidance um, through this because he's, he's now nervous to go back into Israel because he hears that um, Herod's son is reigning in his stead. And the Lord answers him through a dream again. And the angel of God says to him, go into uh, Galilee. And that's where he goes. And so the saints under the old covenant would be seeking after the Lord's counsel and the Lord would answer them through dreams. Um, we have no scripture that said that the, the uh, that says that the saints would ask him to, to appear to him and to them in a dream. But at the time that they're seeking the Lord's counsel, this was the method that he used in order to answer them. And we'll have a look at another account in scripture. We're looking at the account of Abimelech. Abimelech, um, the background to this particular situation is that Abraham and his wife Sarah have come into Abimelech's uh, territory. And um, Sarah is obviously a good looking lady and Abimelech has taken a shine to her and he is intending to marry her. And God appears to him in a dream to sort out the situation. But it's interesting to note that when Abimelech speaks to the Lord in the dream, he says to the Lord, Lord, will you slay a, a righteous nation also? 
And so it's very important for us to understand here that Abimelech is a believer. Although he's not a, a, of the children of Israel, he is a believer. And when he speaks to the Lord in this manner, will you slay a right, righteous nation also? The Lord doesn't uh, um, correct him in this because the Lord does acknowledge him as being a believer. And so thus the Lord is able to deal with him in this method. And so we pick up the account in Genesis chapter 20, uh, beginning at verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. And so we see in this particular account that God gives Abimelech very specific guidance as to what he wants him to be doing uh, through the dream. And there are many instances under the Old Covenant where uh, dreams are used of the Lord in order to give guidance to the saints. Uh, Jacob received many dreams from the Lord. Joseph received many dreams from the Lord. Uh, Daniel received many dreams from the Lord. Um, we'll have a look at one account of Jacob's dreams in Genesis chapter 31, beginning in verse 11. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream. This is now Jacob recounting the dream that the Lord had given to him. Say, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your, fam of your family. And so it is very plain that under the Old Covenant, dreams were used extensively of the Lord to guide the Old Covenant saints. Um, and then the Urim was used, Urim and Thummim, was used of the Lord to guide the Old Covenant saints. And so these are the other two methods that God used under, under the Old Covenant. The three primary methods, once again, we'll go through them, is through the prophet. The Lord used the prophet. That was the primary way that God used in order to, get, to guide his saints under the Old Covenant. And then the two other primary ways that the Lord used was through the Urim and the Thummim. And that they could really only consult through the high priest through his, because he wore the Urim and the Thummim in his priestly garment. And uh, it was a limited way to receive guidance from the Lord. And then the other method that the Lord used um, extensively under the Old Covenant in order to guide the Old Covenant saints was through dreams. And these were the three methods that the Old Covenant saints could expect God to use in order to guide, give them guidance. They, as we said, there are other methods, and we'll have a look at those methods. Um, but they were not methods that they, the saints could expect God to move in in order to guide them. And uh, we're going to end it off there today. You know, there was a time in my life that I did not know the Lord. 
I heard people speak about him, um, but it didn't make any sense to me. It was just something that I, I thought that people did. People went to church. It was that was what they did. It was not something that I did. And then I met some people um, who were Christians, and they befriended me, and I got to know them a bit. And one of them gave me a book to read that they felt that I should read. And out of basically just trying to be polite, I said to them, okay, I'll, I'll read that book. And I, I took the book with me to work one day. And it was during my lunch hour, and um, I decided, okay, I better read this book. I said to the person, I promised them that I would, and so I, I, I sat back, I was in an office by myself, and I began to read the book. And the book was about a young man who had grown up as a, a Roman Catholic. And I suppose that's why the book was given to me, because I had also grown up as a Roman Catholic. And, um, but I'd never heard the gospel preached. Nobody had ever told me about salvation through Jesus Christ. And as I began to read this book, what this young man experienced in his life when he gave his heart to the Lord um, just seemed so real. And there were other friends in, in this book who had also grown up with him and they had gotten together after a number of years, uh, had been separated, gone their separate ways. And they subsequently found out that each one of them had given their hearts to the Lord Jesus. And there was just something that was so real about that particular thing that these guys were expressing. And I remember this so vividly. This happened to me in that I sat back in my chair and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, Lord, if this is real, then I want it. Now, what I expected to do after having said that was to lean forward again and to begin reading the book. I no more expected what happened to me as being the next person to, to walk on the moon. As I said those words, Lord, if this is real, then I want it. A, an absolute power fell on top of me. I got such a fright, I burst into tears. I knew that that instant that I was born again, that which I was reading about in this book had happened to me. I had become born again. I had given my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I changed completely. My life changed overnight. Um, I'm not going to go into any detail about that, but I, I was saved. In tears, I remember looking up into, into the ceiling and just saying, Lord, this, this is real. Heaven is real. Um, I had before that time thought that heaven was a fairy tale that people would speak about. It was not something that was anything that, that made any sense to me. But at that instant, everything made sense. I was born again. I, my life changed. And I have been His ever since. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, I would encourage you to do that right now. I would encourage you to close your eyes and I will pray with you now. And as I pray, you pray with me.
and you give your heart to the Lord Jesus and you find out for yourself just how real he is. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, your word declares that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth you as Lord Jesus and we believe that God our Father has raised you from the dead, that we will be saved. Lord Jesus, I believe that God our Father has raised you from the dead. I confess you now as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you now, Lord Jesus, that I am saved. Thank you, my Lord. You are saved. You have changed. You will see that change. You will know the change within you straight away. And you will see that change taking place in your life over the years to come. I would encourage you now to get involved in a church, a church where they will teach you the, the Bible and teach you the truth of God's Word, where they will teach you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. For this is another experience that is part of the, the, the Christian walk. And I would encourage you to read your Bible every day and to spend time in prayer and to fellowship with God and fellowship with His children and to grow in the things of God. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Amen.